Hello, welcome back to the Table Church Podcast, and thank you for listening, everybody. Um, today's going to be kind of a fun episode. It's been one that a lot of you have been waiting for us to do, I believe, and so the wait is over. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're talking about men and women working together, something that um, Megan and I know nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan, will you uh, just kind of launch us into this? Yeah, so I get asked versions of this topic, questions about this all the time. Um, Not necessarily people from our church, but people in ministry from Mm -hmm. all over the place. So it's really more something that if you're a female pastor working at a church, you're kind of like... A unicorn. A, well, a unicorn (laughs) or like a a beacon of light. Like people are like, you've made it. How did you make it? You broke and how through. do you make it work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so I get asked this question or a version of it often, like how how do you and Phil work together? How do you do all that? You know, people who actually know us, mm-hmm. I don't actually have any recollection right now of anyone who actually like knows us personally who's asked about this. Okay. I actually don't think I can think of any. Um, mm-hmm. I think people who know us are just like, you know, they must doesn't that occur happen, to them. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, but of course that's also because we're in a new place and when people are going to check out table church, they look at the website and they're either into the fact that I'm here or they're not. Mm, yeah. So I don't really talk to a lot of people who would have a problem with yeah. the fact that we work together because they've already, we've already made it through the, you know, yeah, your, uh, your picture on our website probably <laughs> helps a lot of people in their discernment process. <laughs> it does help people what, discern of what church to attend. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or whether or not to attend our church. It does. It does. And so actually I am in Which is good. This I am definitely by far in the simplest ministry position I've ever been in when it comes to this stuff. And I think it's because there's like a you know, I'm I'm put on trial ahead of time and people make up their mind before people, they ever come yeah. in. And That's, so the only people I interact with really are the ones who mm-hmm. were like, Great. Yeah. So and <laughs> Or at least open to it. Right. And I would say there are a lot of people at Table Church who have told me I'm the first woman they've ever seen mm-hmm. in a leadership position at a church. That's true, Which, but they're open to it. And I don't want to assume anything here. For some people listening, you may or may not have or be particularly familiar with the goings-ons of uh, evangelical <laughs> churches. Like, it, uh, By and large, many churches do not support women in ministry. There's many that do, but there's many that don't. And um, at least in the highest forms of uh, ministry leadership, um, and we're not going to, this is not a podcast about the biblical merits of it. Um, but obviously we are one of those churches that do, mm-hmm. right? That we, we don't think that there's any biblical reason to limit a person's capacity for leadership based on their gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so really, really quick, cause we're not going to do a podcast about that. I think ever, because so many other people have said it way better than we yeah. could and it requires so much. Mm-hmm. So, but to be really fast, just to cover it for anyone wondering, um, we would absolutely say that someone's, uh, qualifications for leadership have to do with character and gifting. Um, and their circumstances and those things aligning yeah, and, and anointing and calling. Yes, and all that. exactly. Yeah. Yes. So whatever leadership position that you're in, um, that that's, that's really what you need to be concerned with. And then also that, um, when we're talking about leadership in ministry or anywhere in the world, 
mm-hmm. um, that we often combine what people think theologically about marriage and what people think about leadership in general as right. if it's all one thing. And mm-hmm. it's really not that way in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so it's much more nuanced than that. So just to really quickly say that, and we can definitely um, – recommend some resources if anybody's i mean people wonder about this stuff but they don't Mm -hmm. know if it's okay to ask um but we would say those two things it's about gifts character god's call on your life the anointing you have for particular ministry and then also marriage and leadership in general Mm -hmm. uh those are not things we have to equate as the same yeah so (laughs) um that's very well said and i also as we get started wanted to give a little bit of a um just i don't know lay some groundwork maybe if you're a man listening to this podcast, um, I just want to invite you to uh, open your, I don't know, your mind and your heart to what Megan's going to share, um, because we do not understand what it's like to be a woman trying to navigate leadership, particularly in a church. I mean, anywhere, obviously, but um, it is important for us to try to understand what that's like. And there will be some things that surprise you. There will be some things that maybe even um, you don't believe at first, and that's where you have to you have to trust the discernment of our sisters in Christ that are telling us that, no, this is actually what it's like. And so I look forward to that opportunity. So all right, let's do it. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to say before we say anything else, which now we've gone and we, said all kinds of we've things. We've given all sorts of... Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. how it goes. But I want to make sure that I say this before we say anything else. So as we talk about this today, if you ever get the impression that things aren't as bad or as good as we're saying that they are for for men in particular who are listening to this, if you're thinking the women I work with don't feel that way (laughs) or Mm -hmm. my wife doesn't think that, um, just keep in mind that particularly for women in the church, like today we're really going to focus our conversation on what it, what it is to be men and working men and women working together in the church, whether you're just on a ministry team together, if you're coworkers, you know, whatever. Um, so we're going to be talking about women and men end of the church specifically not like how to work with men and women at like principal or something like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're talking about the church because that is a very particular cross-section of things that has its own unique issues so very few women in the church are in a position where they feel truly safe and secure enough to even begin deeply admitting and exploring how they feel about this Mm -hmm. stuff um, or working through the ways that they've been wounded by these things in the past, much less feeling safe enough to actually voice them to anybody else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, ministry has been throughout <laughs> most of history and yeah. in most places, just kind of a boys club. Yeah. And it's a battlefield and it's a battlefield for everyone, right? Like I'm sure men listening are like, yeah, I agree. Ministry is a battlefield. Like it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a particular kind of hard for women in the church. Mm -hmm. So that's the stuff we're going to talk about um, largely today. And I promise you that when women do sense that they're with a safe person, when they really sense that they're with a safe and secure person or situation, when they can tell that they're actually going to be heard, that they're in a safe space, this stuff just comes pouring out Mm -hmm. like 
every time. So like I, I, yeah. I've thought about ministry, but just never know I could kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been in that situation where someone will come to me because they know I am a safe space. And they're like, I've never told anyone this, but this happened to me. Or what do you make of this? Or yeah. what do I do with this? Or how should I figure this out? You know, um, And then also when you do bring things up, I think often... Um, I have been thinking about this even with our discussions from the Tove book Mm. um, and uh, some other things that we've had on the podcast. I think there's a particular responsibility if you want to take a platform and say, women, you're safe, you're seen, we want your gifts, you know, we're Mm -hmm. open to you. You have to um, do quite a lot to intentionally pastor those women up out of the pit and sure. walk with them. You have it. to w- do extra work in yeah. order to help them. Exactly. Come and to so the if you want, if you want to be a person who takes the platform and says, we affirm women in ministry, then you have to take a proactive stance on shepherding women through the mm-hmm. process of getting there. And so even with things like the Tove book, um, that triggers so much stuff, but then you're just left like with this open wound Mm-hmm. that you are seeing maybe for the first time how big it is and how awful it is. And then you have no one to help you through it. Yeah. There's kind of a now what yeah. and there's yes, nothing there. Exactly. And I remember one time I was on a zoom call with uh, Wayne Schmidt um, with a group of other women who are church planters. Wayne Schmidt is the general superintendent of the Wesleyan yeah. church. Yeah. Great guy. Um, he is really great. He was at Wesley seminary before this and you know, of course has been a pastor for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Wayne is a wonderful guy and he got on this call and he, one of the things he did was just affirm us as women and our gifts and you know, how, how happy he is that we're in the church and things like that. And it was wonderful. It was a wonderful call. But what happened was it was as if he just ripped off like a hundred band-aids too soon. (laughs) And these women felt permission, you know, to Mm -hmm. like, go wait oh and then it just like opened this floodgate of wounds and complexities and questions and things like that and we had no time for that on that zoom call and then these women are kind of left Mm. now their their wounds are all opened and then you know and wayne's wonderfully meant only good thing like he meant to encourage us build us up but i'm just trying to clarify that when you take those platforms you if you want to publicly declare your like invitation to women to explore their full gifts in the spirit, you have to then immediately follow up and actually shepherd. You have to <laughs> be. <women>. You <laughs> have to be extra active. Yes, in you can't helping them participate it. in ministry leadership. And that's uh, that you know illustrates the point that I've made often on the podcast is that the most dangerous people. You know, like we'll talk about the white moderate being the most dangerous person to like racial yeah. reconciliation. The, the, the most shared uh, meme on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, but it's true in the church too that some of the most dangerous situations for women are the leaders who are male usually, who want to just publicly claim how open and accepting they are to women Mm -hmm. in every position of leadership, but they don't then commit to the deep deconstructing and reconstructing work both for their own hearts and the culture that 
they are mm-hmm. in and also for these particular women. Yeah. And so you just want to jump to progress and say, just come on board. But none of the underlying issues have been addressed. And you're like, I don't know. I told them they could. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, the I don't want them to do it. And that <laughs> is what we're going to talk about today. So uh, <laughs> I think that's important because, you know, we are in a denomination that is officially speaking, very affirming of women in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet for some reason, a small fraction of our pastors are actually women. And this isn't like an, a very small fraction. And this isn't a new thing. We have always ordained women mm-hmm. in We were like concept. the first ones to ordain women. <laughs> um, and so it's not like we got into this in the 70s or something like yeah. that. It's always been there, but we haven't done it because we've just reflected the wider culture when mm-hmm. it comes to those things um, and haven't been challenged. There's not an active culture of pursuing women mm-hmm. leaders. Yeah, and there the is now much more so than there ever was before. But well, even I'm, the existence of this Zoom call you just mentioned of a bunch yeah, of female church planters, new. like that's a that's an attempt to mm-hmm. you know harness the uh, the leadership capacities of the women among us. Yeah, and so I mean, like new. I am like of I am almost forty, and I'm on that bridge generation where like I remember very vividly as an adult. Uh, being in the Wesleyan church and having absolutely no idea that I could even get ordained for Mm -hmm. years, like many years. It was never even something I thought of. I just figured it couldn't happen. I didn't learn it until maybe like 2013. Mm. And um, so I had been a Wesleyan at that point for like 14 years. (laughs) And so, and I actually had a Wesleyan pastor tell me when I was in college that I couldn't lead men Right. In any capacity. And so um, I certainly wouldn't have questioned that. I just Mm -hmm. figured that was, and that's what the wider Christian culture stands for. But there is actually quite a large contingency of people who disagree. But yeah. um, So anyway, I just want to say, as we're saying all this, I am a woman who's an exception. So I am in an extremely safe place. So if you hear this stuff and you think, my wife doesn't feel that way, my coworkers don't feel that way, whatever, just assume you don't know everything and that they don't even know everything about what they think. Because when you're in a really tough situation, you just have to survive. And for example, I'm in a place where my job isn't at risk (laughs) if I talk about these things. Like I don't have to, I don't have to worry about, you know, like up until this point, if I were to be too clear about how I feel or these experiences that I've had, I'm always risking the chance of ever getting promoted. Like I'll be seen as maybe like a problem or a complainer. If you're a champion for women yeah. in leadership, uh-huh. you're like, she's like that annoying. token, yeah. you know, who wants to always make it about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I am in a position to just freely use this platform to talk freely about these things. And if you're not hearing the women around you talk about these things, it's not necessarily because they're not experiencing them. Mm-hmm. They're just not safe enough to have an opinion out loud, but in the right environment, they sure. may. So yeah. anyway. All right. So we have some yes. myths, some, I don't know what we what kind of miss these are men and women working together myths. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> there so, are three myths. Yeah. And so we're going to, we're going to bust. And these are not, it's not a comprehensive list. It's just a few things that are good to start with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to bust these myths. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm uh, kind of the MC. I mean, let's be honest here. Megan's the one that's going to teach us here today. Uh, so I'm going to share the myth, but the first one is the myth of earned position. Mm-hmm. What's that, Megan? Mm-hmm. What's the myth of earned okay. position? So there is really significant research about this. Um, that finds that when given an opportunity, men often tend to assume that they've earned the opportunity. 
mm-hmm. that there are innate qualities in them built on their, you know, um, their abilities and their experience that has qualified them for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Um, the research shows, though, that women tend to assume that someone may have made a mistake <laughs> in giving them. Really? Uh, an opportunity. And okay. so this is, um, if you've ever heard of it, um, a lot of people will talk about this is called imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that men can't experience this too, but it's a particular thing that women, especially in church ministry, experience quite a bit, but women across the board, I mean, Sheryl Sandberg will talk about this in Lean In. Um, Brene Brown talks about it, things like that. Anyone can experience imposter syndrome. It's just that sense that like I've been given a job and now, oh, I have to do the job. Mm, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we can all experience it. Who am I to do this? Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So th- this can happen for anyone, but particularly when we're talking about women, um, there's just this mountain of research that proves that in general, when men are given an opportunity, they assume that they earned it. And mm-hmm. when women are given an opportunity, they assume uh, they don't know what it takes. Right. Like somebody made a mistake. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, so, uh, you know, when a woman gets a big opportunity, it's common to assume that somebody's overestimated them or that they're getting like a free pass, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, even though they wouldn't assume this about a female coworker. So the re- research shows women don't think this about other women. They, they think about it in terms of themselves, like their yeah. own self view. They assume yeah. they're not. Um, and men just kind of don't even realize that they're doing it, but they're mm-hmm. like, oh, of course, they gave me this opportunity because I'm ready for it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's a crucial point. And it, it, it's one that we would talk about, um, well, maybe not, I don't know about the imposter s- syndrome, although maybe, but mostly this idea of like starting from a baseline. Um, we, we tend to think that we, men tend to think that we earned something but we forget that we all have a baseline that we start from mm-hmm. and that baseline is different. And, um, and this is similar in conversations on race, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we all have a baseline that we begin from now. Yes, there are those who, you know, they start from zero and they through their sheer grit and willpower and talent, mm-hmm. like claw their way to the top. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, those stories are, I think, probably woven into our narrative as Americans to the point that we believe that they're more common than they are because the Mm -hmm. fact is that we all come from somewhere. We all have a, we all have a culture and a history and things that were handed to us and Mm -hmm. things that weren't handed to us. Like we all have those things. And as a whole, let's be honest, the baseline for men in most places is better than the baseline for women. You're starting, Mm -hmm. you're starting a few paces ahead, you know? Yeah. And so, I don't even know if a few paces ahead is even the right analogy. <laughs> Probably a lot farther the than that. The picture is usually like the difference between two ladders mm-hmm. and that often for a white male, even from difficult circumstances, your ladder has every rung in it nearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and a woman's ladder may kind of, you know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta figure out how to get up that thing because you're missing yeah. some steps. And, and so as we try to give everyone the same ladder, like that's not, that's not making your ladder worse, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's just giving everyone the same ladder you've got. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it's very easy to climb a ladder when you never have to reach too far mm-hmm. or kind of wonder if you're going to make it to the mm-hmm. next one. Um, you just kind of keep going to the next step. And so, for yeah. example, I mean, would you be willing to explain that when you, I believe you said this on the pod- podcast before, but maybe not. Um, when you got your first job, were you an ordained minister? 
Oh, like in ministry? Yeah. I wasn't. No. Yeah. No, well, I was, yes. Okay, so that's a good... Music ministry. So I majored in music. Yeah. And um, they hired me to be the worship leader. Yeah. But the church called me a pastor. Yeah. I wasn't ordained. I didn't have any credentials. But they they put pastor on my door. Yeah. Which is amazing (laughs) to me. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, it's hard (sighs) to know. Would they have done that for like... Like well, if a woman they didn't who for the just, children's ministry director. Yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. so yeah, okay, um, but we love you. I don't think that the we children's that ministry church. director was called children's pastor. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. They weren't. So yeah, yeah I was thinking that, but I wouldn't have said it. There's yeah. a there's a, a definite <laughs> that seems to be a pretty obvious yeah. um, standard that changes because I was a man. Mm-hmm. You know? And and you can't pot like first of all, you're I, I love you, Phil. Like, I'm so glad you're a pastor and I like absolutely think this is, of course, something that you have always been moving toward. But um, you can't really know how much confidence that gave you to keep Mm -hmm. pursuing ministry without any hang ups. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm a pastor. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was pretty cool. I was 22. They're going to call me pastor. Wow. And now I better like step up and be a great pastor. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The children's ministry person had been there for a while at that point and they were never just called a pastor. Right. Yeah. But they're spiritually leading children very Mm -hmm. directly. So that could make sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway, those in, little in some things. ways, perhaps even more pastoral yes. than what, what, what I was doing. Because you were up front, like doing them. Yeah. It matters very much, but like they were directly influencing I mean, teaching the spiritual the lives of children yeah. as early as possible, nursery up through elementary. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, and that's why at, at Table <laughs> Church, like we reserve the, the title for those with credentials. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, and and that's another conversation. But I think it's really important to both find ways, and I've said this before, find ways to um, elevate people who have not had those opportunities in the past so easily, but also don't skip steps for them mm-hmm. that creates more problems than it solves. Yeah. So. And, you know, yeah, I, I worked hard to earn, quote, earn, get to get to where I am. Like, I understand all that. But I also understand the fact that um, when I walk into a room, people are like, oh, he fits the bill. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I've never had to convince anyone that I should be a pastor. Yeah. Like, there's times where as we just shared, people handed it to me. Yeah. I wasn't even asking for it. Mm-hmm. I had <laughs> so, to, I had to get through a lot of barriers to I'm, get that title. I'm just, I just got the, I don't know, pastor dude vibe down, I guess. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, you're, I don't think to this point here in Des Moines, you've ever been asked if you're a real pastor. I can't think of any times. <laughs> no. <laughs> Cause I have many times because people just see me and think, Oh, are you like actually a pastor? Or is mm-hmm. he just trying to look woke? <laughs> um and they mean well megan went to seminary and got ordained so Evan, I'm she's dead. she's every bit as much a pastor <laughs> as i am um so anyway all that to say like it's that's a really good example thank you for sharing that um that perfectly illustrates this um that happens over and over and over again and we don't even yeah. think about it no I, and i don't know that um we probably have talked about that before. It's a great example. I'm glad you brought yeah. it up. Like it's, I, I and got it's no a problem. great church. It's not a bad church. Right. It's a wonderful church. I, I went, I was a part of that church for a while. Really wonderful people that I still love very dearly. Um, the culture was really great. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't by any means like a, I don't want it in any way, you yeah. know, make it feel like we're down on that church, but mm-hmm. it is just what happens. So, um, 
And yeah. I'm sure that, that a person, if we were to go back in time, and the, you know, in time and try to say, okay, why am I a pastor and she's not? <laughs> yeah. You know, there'd be another number of other things we'd go to first to yeah. explain it. Like she well, doesn't really want that she's kind of responsibility. Part time. Yeah. You're full time. You're yeah. up front in front of the whole church. Um, but, but it's not about gifts or or qualifications. Yeah, and and you could make, <laughs> and you could make the opposite argument for every yeah. everything you know what i yeah, mean well, there's she's, way more she's actually influence. preaching like sermons every week yeah. to kids you know stuff yeah. like that and what does that also imply that we mean about the value of children versus adults mm-hmm. you know if we have to have a pastor teach the adults but we don't need mm-hmm. a pastor to teach the kids we digress <laughs> Ooh. but so the myth there is that we earn every opportunity that we're given And the truth is that we are often rewarded due to deeply ingrained social bias and expectations and our ability to meet them in the eyes of those with influence. Mm -hmm. So wherever you are, bias is going to be there. Um, Expectations will be there. And if you fit the bill of what the people with influence think should equate to a certain opportunity, you may have an easier time getting that opportunity. We're so, uh, in, like the idea of the lone individual is so ingrained into our social <laughs> consciousness. Like the idea that it's just me on my own making my way in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you are a web of relationships. Mm-hmm. And there's a give and a take to every single one of us in terms of what we've been given in life and what opportunities have come our way or haven't come our way. Mm-hmm. And all of those variables are largely influenced as an aggregate by things like race and gender. Mm-hmm. They are. They are. Not for everybody. I mean, there's lots of white males who have a hard time in life. Okay. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. But we're just saying that if they have a hard time in life, it's never been because of the color of their skin. And when we talk about the church, or it because gets of even their more sex. complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the key point that we can take away out of that for this conversation is men and women working closely can help correct this imbalance in each other. Mm. And so just like what Phil and I just demonstrated, um, when you get to know someone who's had a different life experience from you, gender, race, you know, economic background, all of that stuff, you learn things about their life and it wakes you up to the unique qualities of your own experience that you've not ever thought about before because they were just what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get that ability to see that. And then if you're willing to work together, you can all change. You just yeah. have a deeper perspective about things and yeah. There's it's been good. a truckload of times, Megan, where you've illuminated, pointed something out that, I mean, you because because you're a woman, you see very differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh crap, I didn't even think about that, you know. So <laughs> it has been. It's been a very yeah good and, thing for me to learn. Um, it's not all easy to do. And none of it's ever like um, when you th- the first inclination sometimes for us is to bristle against it. You know what I mean? Like as though it's a threat, but it's not a threat. Like why? Why would uh, what we just talked about about me being called mm-hmm. a pastor? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pointing out that inconsistency. It's not, not an attack. Not, it's just right. a fact. Right. It's not. There's no threat there. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, well, maybe she should have been a pastor too. Like at mm-hmm. the very least. You know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no nothing yeah. to. And I mean, like when I was 19, I had people directly telling me what I could and could not do in the church. Mm -hmm. and giving me particular lanes to be in. And that was all I ever saw and all that I was ever told. And so we can't really know how much that held me back, Mm -hmm. you know? You want want to know something though? This is funny. It just came to my memory. (laughs) Um, The first time I ever talked to uh, the DBMD chairman about pursuing ordination, Mm -hmm. he like discouraged me from doing it. 
he didn't think I was serious enough. <laughs> he was like, well, this is a calling. This is a lifestyle. This is, this is, you don't just decide to do this. He didn't know me at all. I'm like, um, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But I mean, that's a good point. You know, mm. like people tend to like project whatever they think about a person, right? Mm-hmm. They have biases and he's just thinking, this is a whippersnapper. We need to like <laughs> understand because is that not the same conversation we would have with anyone that says they think they might want to go be a pastor? We'd be sure. like, yeah. you need to understand this isn't just mm-hmm. like a volunteer position. It's like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is forever. Mm-hmm. Like you were marrying a, a vocation. Right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I but I want to divorce sometimes. But don't you kind of get annoyed by someone who doesn't know you personally putting judgments on you about yeah. where you're at with things? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not fun. I didn't like it. Yeah, we all can learn. I hope from I don't that. do that to people. All right, let's move on. Okay, myth number two <laughs> is the myth of gentleness. Mm-hmm. Tell me okay, about it. this what's, is great. What's that? So, I have the experience of almost always being the only woman in my seminary classes. And that has changed in the last few years for the seminary. There's a lot more women in the classes now, but when I started and for most of my time there, I was almost always the only woman. Mm-hmm. And I was too many times to count. Men would be like, I've never worked with a woman before. I think or, there was only one woman in my cohort. I'm, yeah. I'm remembering that. Um, like, I don't know how many times a man at seminary, because you do some stuff online and some stuff on site, um, a man at seminary would come up to me and almost like sheepishly be like, I've never like done anything with a woman before in ministry. Like, this is really cool. Or this is different. Yeah. (laughs) Or something like that. I was always the unicorn. I was always the anomaly. I was always the person that had to represent all women in the classroom. (laughs) You know, like, what do women think about this? They're all heads turned towards Megan. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, that was just my experience. Um, That's how it was for me. So anyway, this story comes out of those four years of, you know, hanging out with the bros. The, uh, Which I have lifetime friends, by the way. Yeah. From from that experience, but <laughs> a lot of stories. What were you gonna say? I, <laughs> I just saw a funny word on Twitter that like for dudes who do theology is like theobrogen or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. So true. But it's true. Like Sometimes it asks me about my taxonomy of the types of men that go to seminary. Oh no, that sounds like a good podcast episode. It does. Um, that, actually, probably not. It, <laughs> Way too mundane for most people's like radar. If you're in the cross section of people who care about that, you'd think it was hilarious. Ask me sometime. But anyway, okay, the myth of the myth of gentleness. So, can you this, just ask which one I am? <laughs> well, you're the you of of the options. Mm-hmm. There's the nice guys, okay. just the guys who are like nice guys. You know, they're just a really nice guy. Nice Usually guy? wear collared shirts and like button up or like mm-hmm. a polo. They're just a really nice guy. And then there's the sup dogs. Those <laughs> are the guys who like stand around in the lobby and are like, what's up, man? What's up? Oh, I can't complain. You yeah. know, God's rocking and rolling. Hey, how you doing? Better than I deserve. That's right. Yeah. That's such a good Christian mm-hmm. answer to give to that. Yep. And then there's the that guys. The that guy. The that guy. Is that guy in class who does that thing mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Or that guy in Bible study, that you're like, oh, it's that guy, you know? <laughs> and it can mean many things. Okay. It can be like... <laughs> they just got a quirk that they do. <laughs> they have a quirky thing. Those are really the three. Okay. You, Phil, are a nice guy. Okay. You're literally wearing a plaid button I want to be right a now. sub dog. Yeah. That's what I, I wish I, I was. I always will explain, though, when I do explain this, that if you're around, because I think this has happened two other times, too, um, that you're a nice guy 
who speaks fluent sup dog. Really? Yes. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move Andy on. Andy Merritt, if you're listening, that's you too. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is a story from seminary, my time with the guys. So um, there was this time that we had this question from our professor, like, um, should women be required? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, interrupting Cal. Um, <laughs> uh, should women be required to be a part of your elder board? That was a question to debate. He, says, okay. he said, fall off the log one way or the other. Should women be required to be a part of your elder board? Right. Okay. Okay. Um, because like you, the sticky point is like, should you have to require that mm -hmm. women or people of color are on your board or should yeah. it be the best people for okay. your job? No, good question to debate. Let's do yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I want to so hear So anyway, it. when we were talking about this, um, several of my male classmates said this exact same thing in their responses because we had, we, it was an online class. We were typing mm -hmm. so I could read the responses and then you, you know. So several of them said a version of this exact thing where yes, of course we should require women to be on our elder boards because women provide a gentling influence mm. and encourage gentler discourse to soften the group discussion and debate. Yeah. That's the myth <laughs> of gentleness. There yes. it is. Yes. Okay. So they, these, first of all, I'm thinking of all your faces right now. And if any of you are listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with ever telling anything true about your life that's like things that have been difficult is you know you're inevitably implicating somebody that you probably care about a lot. Mm -hmm. Like these guys who did this are also my friends, you know? Yeah. Like, but um, so anyway. Well, that's this what is preaching is. Like you basically <laughs> say this thing that you guys all do all the time, <laughs> you should, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's true. Um, but anyway, so the guys who did this, they were just like, as encouraging as possible. I love the idea of having women on my elder board and mm -hmm. here's why, um, you know, I would absolutely want that and because they have such a great influence. Okay, so I just want to say, first of all, with the myth of gentleness, um, this reveals a bias that people often assume, men and women can often assume that women should be mm -hmm. like gentle, lambs <laughs> when it comes okay. to communication let's just let me just ask you this <laughs> on the whole who's more gentle between you and me you think you <laughs> absolutely um and so <laughs> you know but this is just like assumed and then women who violate that assumption by actions that are perceived as direct or bold or confident are often punished for that assertion in regular life. So like mm -hmm. women who aren't following the rules of being like quiet and gentle and soft and amenable and everybody get along and peacemaking. Maternal. Yeah, mm -hmm. being maternal. Um, if that's what maternal means to someone. Um, so women who violate that assumption um, tend to get negative consequences yeah. for it. Okay, mm -hmm. so that we're we're enculturated into acting more gentle just to be accepted mm -hmm. in the world and to get along at all. Um, and if we go against that, it's often something that has direct negative consequences for us socially, um, in professional life, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> so first of all, that's just a thing. Um, but 
Also, here's the myth. Women provide a gentle, calming antidote to male aggression and domination. Mm-hmm. That is what those men were saying in right. those posts. Because if you're saying that, yeah, we need some female gentleness on the board, well, yeah. why do you need it? What, what's wrong with your board like, that what you, you're too aggressive? What are you implying about the men then? <laughs> yes, exactly. And so it has something as negative to say about men as it does about women. And none of it's actually true mm. to people. Mm-hmm. It's just an accepted way of looking at men and women as if men are barbarians and women are lambs. So um, this hurts men and women. Damsels. Yeah, exactly. And so the truth is men and women are born to be formed into the image of Christ who demonstrates gentleness and power in full, perfect unity. And the Trinity is diverse and full. We need diverse collaborations if we want to reflect it. Yeah. It's good. (laughs) That's what's true. It's good. No. Yeah. And, I'm trying to imagine if I was in the, in the <laughs> class and would have answered. I hope that I would have said something like, well, first of all, like the question is, is already admitting a failure, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea that we would even consider whether or not to require women on an elder board suggests mm-hmm. that we're not seeing women as fully worthy of mm-hmm. leadership. It's an option to decide mm-hmm. if you're going to require it or not because it's not just assumed they're going to be mixed. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're admitting a, a vacancy in culture mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? And like, that they'd be an outlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway. It's true. Um, and how, okay, here's... The so key. within within those fallen, the fallen world, the parameters that we just put up by that question, I'd be like, yeah, you should. <laughs> should. You absolutely should. <laughs> you should require it. And the key point I want everybody to take away from that for men and women working together, especially in the churches, women don't provide gentleness to cure male posturing. Diverse voices provide truthful, discerning balance. So it's not about needing an anti... Like if your church board or any team you have needs a gentling influence to tone down the aggression, I would say you have much <laughs> bigger problems than diversity. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, and yeah, be aware of the times that you think that someone being maternal or someone being female or feminine needs to equal soft, gentle, you know, non-confrontational, whatever um how about we just don't excuse sin because of somebody's gender yeah like Mm -hmm. in either direction you know what i mean or when someone violates a gender norm we shouldn't assume they're sinning Mm. you know yeah she's not gentle (laughs) yeah she must be sinning. or he's not standing up for himself okay you know he's sinning yeah (laughs) yeah well i mean it's true like if somebody's Mm -hmm. not how many i mean i know as a woman how many times i've heard people talk about their husbands as if they're not being a man or they're not being a leader or Mm -hmm. they're not like taking charge or they're not Mm -hmm. you know this stuff hurts men and women equally sure it's it's all destructive when we Mm -hmm. start to look at it like that um you know it's just because someone wants to take time to make a decision doesn't make them a bad you know, leader right. of a family mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. So this cannot, it's, it's equal opportunity. Just mm. this stuff is, is not great. So um, men and women from all ages and backgrounds are formed uniquely by their experiences. So every governing authority needs a true, honest collection of individuals who represent the whole. So that I think is just a good point where you're talking about like, what do you, what do you actually need on a team, right? You need a diverse collection of people who accurately, you know, represent the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and better yet, who like um, 
represent Christ. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you're talking about the church. Yeah. And so it's not so much about like, we just have to get our tokens in place. Of course, that's not what this is about. But also it's true that if you want to have a healthier, more diverse situation, you're probably going to have to intentionally boot out some people and bring in some others. Mm. See, <laughs> you're a liberal critical theorist, aren't you? So, I knew it. Um, I in, knew it all along. What do you think of that, Phil? I, I agree. Um, <laughs> yes, I think that we need to, um, we got to aim higher in terms of how we, well, actually it goes back to what your first point was about, you can, it's not enough just to kind of say, hey women, you should become mm-hmm. leaders in the church. Like you have to create spots for them. Mm-hmm. You have to equip them to fill those spots. You have to tell them that you believe in them. You mm-hmm. have to pursue them in order to do it. And part of that might be in saying, hey, my board has eight people on it. Four of them are gonna be women. Yeah. You know? Um, that, because you have four women in your congregation that would be, you know, yes. a great fit for that. Mm-hmm. You're just not thinking of it. Not yeah. you personally. Yeah, my but, board is half I mean, women. The, the <laughs> ambiguous you, the, you know. Yeah. Yes, it does. But exactly. So on one hand, like, you know, you don't need women to like fill a quota. You don't need, you know, people of various skin tones or backgrounds to fill your quota. It's about reflecting Jesus and your people in a way that is truthful and diverse. Um, and then also to get there, you will probably have to change some things. Mm. And it's not about just like, I think this is where it gets very sticky because people will be like, I mean, I will take anyone who's qualified, you know, but if someone has been repeatedly stopped Mm -hmm. at a certain ceiling way below. If the entire like underground narrative of culture mm -hmm. is that you can't do this. Yeah. Then why in the world would they be qualified? Yeah. (laughs) Why would they have the relevant experience? and, And that's why we go back to saying ultimately what you need to look at is gifting character and calling. So like you have to look at a person for who they really are, not just what they've done. Like achievement wise, you have to look at who they are and what they've done in their life that matches with the qualities of what you're looking for, for this position. And, um, specifically in the church is why gifts matter so much and understanding how they work in someone's life and seeing that someone might have amazing leadership gifts that are playing themselves out largely in the home Mm -hmm. or largely like at their workplace, but you don't see it at church because the church doesn't allow it Mm -hmm. and they could actually be an incredible fit even though they've spent the last 15 years somewhere else, maybe they are a great fit for that pastor position. Let me me put it in a way that's going to make this appeal to pastors listening. (laughs) Hey pastors, what if I could double the number of leaders in your church overnight? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) What if I could double the number of leaders in your church? Would you want to do it? Mm -hmm. I would. They're there. Mm -hmm. They're called women. Yep. (laughs) And what if I could double the amount of volunteers you have in kids ministry? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're there too. They're there as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're called men. The husbands. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, this is stuff matters. It matters in real life. All right. Myth three. Are we ready? Yes. The myth of pious boundaries. Mm -hmm. The myth of pious boundaries. It's a big one. Okay. The myth of pious boundaries. We're going to ruffle some feathers. We are talking, of course, the first thing many people will think of is the Billy Graham rule. Yeah. So what is the Billy? 
Oh, were you going to ask me to explain? I want you to explain that. I'll explain Okay. Yeah. So the Billy Graham rule <laughs> um, is obviously something that Billy Graham did. And, uh, you know, I honor Billy Graham. He did lots of amazing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to say bad things about Billy Graham. But mm-hmm. let's talk about the you're unforeseen. you're not Billy Graham, though. No, you're I'm not. You. I'm Phil Wiseman. <laughs> right. And let's talk about some of the unforeseen um, consequences of some of the things Billy Graham did, perhaps. Yes. And one of those is that he refused to ever meet with a woman alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Except on the crown. It's true. He, he met, met with, with the, the queen. queen. <laughs> but whatever. I digress. Um, so, and the reason is because <laughs> Billy Graham, he wanted to not even give, you know, the appearance of sin. Right. And um, so to his credit, he went the whole nine yards mm-hmm. and wouldn't even have a single meeting with a woman mm-hmm. alone. Um, and so many pastors uh, throughout the last few decades have adopted that strategy um in order to you know maintain standard of i don't know holiness mm-hmm. uh purity just above reproach above reproach Being that, above thank reproach. i was reaching for that i knew there was a phrase and mm-hmm. i'm like it wasn't coming i mean that is the most common one just yeah. stay above reproach yes which we agree with right but how to interpret that but is. let's let's also think about the flip side of that what happens when you do that when all the men are the ones who hold positions of power and leadership refuse to meet with women Unless there's these mitigating circumstances where you can have another person there or something mm-hmm. like that. Megan, what does that do? It completely eliminates the natural pathways for women to grow, mm-hmm. evolve. To be and, mentored. Yeah, yep. be mentored and to be able to naturally progress as leaders. Mm-hmm. Completely stops that, which has always been true, but people haven't really had a problem with it because women are also not really allowed to lead in the church. So what's the problem? Mm-hmm. And that's right. still very true today in many churches that the Billy Graham rule works great and isn't really in conflict with any of your ideals if you're in a church that says... Women, women can't be leaders can't be anyway. Leaders. So yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's above reproach because the only... Women can't be leaders. If you're alone with a woman in a car, it's probably because you're having an affair. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not like you'd be working together. Women can't work with you on the same level. Right. You know, that mm-hmm. aren't your secretary. Yeah. Um, well, funny so, enough, <laughs> when it comes to secretaries, there's an exception. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And I actually have a story about that next. Oh. But like, um, it's true. Uh, weirdly, when it comes to having someone do your administrative tasks, we don't require it be a man. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, so there's, there's this like woman pastor, in the office. The pastor and the secretary, the only ones in the church. Yeah. Often. Yeah. And that's okay. Okay. Yeah. And yet still <laughs> Billy Graham rule. Billy Graham rule every time. <laughs> and so I can't begin to calculate how much this has stopped women from just creating, because let's face it, like every way that you've really been invested in and grown as a leader, you know, in practical ways is because men who you worked with mm-hmm. were they felt no inhibition whatsoever about just naturally getting to know you as a whole person. Yeah. You know, you could build a relationship with any man you worked with on every level that you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And when you know someone, that's how you know them and that's how you know that they'd be a good fit for something. Sure. And as then, a man, I've got like endless pipelines before me mm-hmm. for getting into leadership. Yeah. But with the Billy Graham rule, it severely limits the number of pipelines a woman has. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> so Haley Grace Scott will use these two illustrations. Um, we're the first one. Just these are like two really like polar opposite ways of handling men and women 
interacting in the church. And so the first one is bubble wrap, the bubble wrap um, option, which is to say like full Billy Graham rule. Like we do mm-hmm. not purple. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember yeah. purpling from mm-hmm. youth group? Yeah. <laughs> um, like there is no intermixing of mm-hmm. men and women on any level, um, you know, because we are above reproach. And I have to say that there are many men, even in my Wesleyan seminary, who will on one hand, be really progressive about like racial reconciliation and things like that and how we have to like, you know, they'll have this very open um, discourse and um, concept of like what it means and what it takes to really reconcile what's wrong. But when it comes to men and women, they completely shift to like this hardcore Mm -hmm. sense of like, you know, they don't even see the contradiction. Yes, exactly. They don't see the contradiction. Mm. Um, And so... Uh, that has caused a lot of interesting. It makes women feel like lepers. Yes, you know they're not. They can't be in the room. They, I mean, yeah, and somebody somehow else it's as if you're the one who would tempt your pastor to either sin by what you look like right. or what you say mm-hmm. because you're not as good at having sure. thoughts and speech. <laughs> yeah, and it, it yeah. So in some weird way, it kind of shifts the blame for whatever sort of mm-hmm. you know misbehavior does occur. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep, because, yeah, you were just who you were. Mm-hmm. And you're the weak one, but he's the one who was the leader and took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like a weird thing. Um, so there's the bubble wrap option. of He's just like, hands off, which, by the way, if you're in a church culture that says women can't be leaders, this one works great. Mm-hmm. Because the only time you'd be a w- with a woman is for an inappropriate reason, I guess, mm-hmm. if she's not your sister. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it often goes uncontested. However, um, there's also this other option that Haley Grace Scott calls the daredevil. <laughs> and so this is that's, the, com- the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> like when we were talking about like the Tove book and everything that was happening at Willow Creek and some other churches in the country, often this is kind of like brought up as like, do you see? Like mm-hmm. when they tried to be super liberal about all of this, look how it all fell apart. And mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, there's equal equal unhealth on both sides. Sure. But um, the daredevil approach is to say like, that's ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. we don't need those old rules. That's like old fashioned. We can hang out, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. We go on work trips, whatever. No, no boundaries like that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty reckless too. Right. <laughs> They're both reckless. They just look completely different. So we'd say that the myth is, that we need strong, consistent boundaries to avoid the pitfalls of men and women working together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the truth, though, is that we need discipline and discernment to read every situation and relationship individually and respond accordingly. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, not all women are equal. Mm-hmm. Just like not all men are equal in my life. Right. You know, like yep. I hang out with you a whole lot, mm-hmm. but it's not the same mm-hmm. as like some guy I barely know. Right. You know, that I met on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, right. Uh, what do you have to say about all that? Is well, I'm talking about yeah, here? so I mean, the the question that will naturally come up for people is, okay, so then what do we do? You know, like, mm-hmm. okay, so what is the right way to do it? And, um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, there's a, actually a, a kind of a famous book on Christian ethics. Uh, I think it's by Samuel Wells. It's called Improvisation. And he, and he talks about how, um, trying to create rules for like Christian ethics, uh, 
there's always going to be a scenario where it fails, you know, mm-hmm. like actually what you have to do is you have to become the kind of person who does the right thing mm-hmm. in the situation. You can't just dictate ahead of time what every situation is going to require mm-hmm. of you. You have to be the kind of person who in the unforeseen situation does the right thing because you are the right kind of person. We mm-hmm. talked about this in the sermon series that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that I mean, ultimately that's the answer. Like I can't give you a grid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't give you a rule book. That's just going to keep you out of trouble no matter what scenario you're in that also at the same time allows everybody to have equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you have to use discernment and wisdom. The only way you're mm-hmm. not going to fall into sin is if you're a person who forgets to even think about doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, <clears throat> like you can't control what other people do, but if you don't want to fall into a bad situation, just largely that's about who you are as a person, right. not about like the outward things that you do. Mm-hmm. And if we're saying, oh, but the Billy Graham rule is about being above, above reproach because maybe you're doing just great things, but people assume something mm-hmm. about you. Um, you cannot control what other people think. And if you are living above reproach, there are ways to judge whether or not something is a smart thing to do. You're just going to have to do it. Yeah. Like if, if two people, like we are in coffee shops, say like when mm-hmm. life was normal right. together. And I, I can't imagine a scenario where anyone in our culture today would see us sitting at that table and care either right. way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, because there's been a lot maybe of, maybe we were like holding hands or <laughs> <laughs> they think Let's we go. were together. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> There's been a lot of pastors. Frank, we've never held hands. <laughs> this is okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> there's been pastors who will say things like, you know, uh, I refuse to meet in public yep. by myself with a woman. And I'm like, well, that's probably where you should be doing the meeting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So you're going to do it alone in your office then? Uh-huh. <laughs> or no, just never. There's never sure. a reason to meet with a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and let's also admit like, okay, like, yeah, men pastors you know like when this meeting that like you shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. just like women know right yep and so and, and, and that those are the moments where you're like i'm gonna leave my door open for this you know exactly like there's ways we can do this or there's times when i've just like i haven't even explained to phil what i'm doing but i will mention who i'm gonna go meet with just mm-hmm. because i want like some backup <laughs> like sure that's where i am but like also um it's very important to remember not every man or woman in your life has an equal place in your life, you know? So, um, there, I have really different boundaries of both common sense and some clear rules about like meeting with men in general that are circumstantial that I do not follow when I'm with Phil because he's a completely different type of relationship in my mm-hmm. life. Like there's, if, if a guy from our church would want to meet with me, I'd meet with him at a coffee shop and that wouldn't be a problem. But like there are nuances about it that I might make a different choice about where we'd meet or who would be there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I get to decide that. Um, but still like the, the type of relationship that I would have like working with Phil is a completely different thing. So I can't have the same boundaries. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, the answer is you don't get, you don't get rules like that. So <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. We, we have to find a way um, to, like if you, if you object to the point we're making, you know what I mean? Then fine. But please tell me how you're going to ensure that women are enabled 
to leadership, Mm -hmm. like that you're actively going to mentor them into leadership. Because you might be a person who's saying, well, I'm not going to do that because I don't believe it's biblically correct. Okay. But if you're a person listening to this who wants to take a platform to say that you fully support women in any level of leadership, then you have to come to terms with where this contradicts in practice Um, because women don't just poof appear fully mm-hmm. qualified to take any level of leadership. They have to get there slowly like everyone does. And, and if you're one who will stand up and say, I affirm women in all levels of ministry leadership, then there's also kind of an implicit acknowledgement that we're in a bad situation. You mm-hmm. know, like if that's true, like if God does champion women in ministry and leadership, uh, then we have failed miserably, you know? Mm-hmm. We have silenced effectively half of the church, right? Uh, at least in terms of ever being able to stand in a pulpit. And so that's a major, uh, that's a place where we've gone off the rails that we need to be actively working to mm-hmm. fix. And so like, like I said before, that truth is that we need discipline and discernment to read every situation and relationship individually and respond accordingly. Uh, we just have to do that in all of Christian life. It's about understanding the nuances of the moment and relying on your connection to Jesus to know what to do next. So that's just a rule of life. And the key point that you can take away from all this for this conversation is men and women need boundaries that function as bridges, not walls. And so that's really what you were saying, Phil. And I would double down on that. Like if you're a person who wants to say, I have this boundary or this boundary or whatever, if you need to honor that boundary, fine. But like Phil said, you have to find a way if your ideal is that women should be in any level of leadership, um, that they find themselves, called into then you have to constantly use boundaries that are bridges not Mm -hmm. walls if you won't meet with a woman alone but you believe women can do whatever Mm -hmm. they want to do then you need to figure out a way to keep finding women in your congregation that have leadership potential and meeting with them in a way that does meet your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it, don't build walls, build bridges. Yeah. And so, like um, and I want to say too, like, okay, so I mean, I implicitly affect some level of the Billy Graham rule. You know what I mean? I'm not just like meeting alone with any and all women. Right. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you said. <laughs> like we the, both relationships have, are different. We both actually probably have like pretty clear boundaries mm-hmm. in our life much more so than maybe other people we observe right like, we're pretty thoughtful people mm-hmm. yeah but what were you gonna say but just don't just, do anything that your spouse wouldn't be comfortable with yeah like there's your rule <laughs> like i think we'd both say like we work together a lot so we know a lot about each other's lives but if we were ever about to tell a story that our spouse would be mad about mm-hmm. <laughs> like really that's too personal yeah there you yeah. go there's a mm-hmm. rule there's we a made rule, a rule. We made a rule. Um, But anyway, so there's that. So in other words, keep the bridge open at all times um, with these boundaries that you have. Have boundaries. Make them bridges, not walls. Okay, so um, (laughs) first of all, I have two two seminary stories to share that illustrate this. Number one, this one's really quick. Um, There was a time that I was sitting in a seminary class. I will never forget this. And um, I was in a class that focuses on racial reconciliation. And um, we were having these like deep gut-wrenching discussions with the people in the, in, in the class about like what it takes to build like truly reconciling communities, mm. you know, and all this stuff. Um, but like I said, there's often a contradiction when it comes to we'll move straight from like the race stuff and be totally on board with that. And then with men and women be 
pretty backward (laughs) with her thoughts. And so, for example, we had this like deep conversation happening in class and then we took a break and a woman needed a ride across campus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she had to find another woman or what? Yeah. Because none of the guys that knew about it were willing to drive with her. Yeah. Um, Sorry, hon. And I was like, that's chivalry. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, this is such a good... This is what I'm talking about, bridges instead of walls. Like, find a way. Get another guy Mm -hmm. and give her a ride. Get it done, bro. They are all pastors. Like, it was just unbelievable. Well, (laughs) it's a good good illustration of, um, like, the guys are all, like, probably... Uh, you know fist bumping about how holy yes, they are yes yes and they were like, yeah and then the the woman's like well i feel like <laughs> piece of garbage exactly you feel just like trash mm-hmm. um and like i like couldn't leave and so it was just like she had to like find a way to get a ride you know it was just whatever you were her only hope megan <sighs> so anyway um that happened there's a few more stories that are kind did of did she like walk that. across campus no somebody gave her a ride okay. eventually but i was like you know, uh, it's a <laughs> small so, campus too. So it, brave. It was really it's a icy. Three minute it was drive. January. It was yeah. an intensive in January. It was really icy outside. Okay. So anyway, I have more than one story kind of like that from seminary. Blows my mind. The hypocrisy. Number two. This one's a little bit longer. This is a guy that I went to school with um, <clears throat> who in, in a class with Dr. Perry, um, we were talking about... Uh, like issues of men and women working together as a part of um, pastoral care, what are your boundaries, things like that. And we got on this story about the Billy Graham rule, this discussion about it in our online platform. And one of my friends from seminary actually privately told me this story. Um, I don't think he's told everybody else. He like privately messaged me to tell me this story because something I said kind of triggered it. He said he was a pastor. He was an assistant pastor at the time. And he said that he's my age. Um, he said that his uh, his boss revealed to him about like a year after he started his job that something came up with women and men not not being together alone or something like that. And he brought up that it's a Wesleyan church. He brought up that when they were taking applications for the assistant pastor job that his um, – as he got things in, he was really seriously considering this female candidate. And the lead pastor said that like all things being equal, she was like equally qualified as mm-hmm. as my friend who I did end up like getting where this the is job. Going. And so he just said this matter of factly one day. He was like, you know, when I was filling your position, a woman applied who was really well qualified and all that. And I was kind of thinking about it. And he said, but my wife just wasn't comfortable with me being alone with a woman so much. And mm-hmm. so we ended up hiring you. Ha ha. You know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and so, um, and so the pastor was just kind of like saying, hey, this is what happened. And he didn't really think it was a big deal at all. And it always stuck with my friend, just like, this was weird. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is that thing that's happening. Why would you say that? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's gross. Um, and, and to say like, on one level, if you hear that story, um, 
it's tempting to think, wow, what a great guy. Like he's honoring his wife's wishes. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want to make his wife uncomfortable. You know, he's got these above reproach, like commitments to boundaries. Like that's a great pastor, you Mm -hmm. know, but really what's happening there is this at play. Like this is how, Mm -hmm. this is how it becomes so difficult for women to be qualified to take any position, you know, that it's incredible. Like I would say, I don't even know what the percentage would be, but most churches are either a solo pastor or like two pastors on staff, you know, they're small. And so, um, for those small churches, that's when you're going to get a job as a pastor, do you expect to go to a huge church first? Usually? No. no. Not usually. You you kind of are looking, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to take smaller positions mm-hmm. and there's a whole other argument about how that doesn't mean they're less important. But, right. you know, first of all, entry level stuff is usually smaller situations. But in smaller situations, there's usually one male leader. And if that male leader won't take any female leaders under his wing, then that means only men are promoted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then only men get the experience and get to the point where they can be qualified to be hired for any job. Right. So um, this is that, this is that thing. Um, and so <laughs> like, I can't tell you how many crazy situations I've heard about or yeah. experienced. And, and so we acknowledge that that's a tough situation. Like, mm-hmm. okay, the, 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 pastor and his wife you know mm-hmm. they don't feel comfortable with this so they but, hire a man but we have to see the other side of it too you know what i mean yeah. and we have to figure that out as the church yeah. and also does she fully trust her husband sure yeah like is that. this woman a vixen mm-hmm. and then also um i need to point out that this was a really key point in the story there was a secretary in the office who was female Okay, so he was already alone with a yes, woman. Yes, he was already time. alone with a woman. She didn't like the idea. He said it in a way that he was like, "This is our boundaries," you know, because he was. They were uncomfortable with the idea of him being alone with a woman who's on the same equal mm-hmm. status as him. Sure, you know, it's different when it's a secretary. Okay, is it? <laughs> Right, <laughs> and this happened nearby here at a Wesleyan church, and it sickens me. This mm-hmm. happened like three years ago, uh, but it's so common. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, those are the types of things like for us as women in the church who are in this situation. Those feels those situations we know that they're there, um, but it's when we hear about stuff like this where the implicit becomes explicit. Like what we're always feeling is happening, right? And the happening yeah Yeah, that really happens so as we wrap up can i do the final advice yes okay i'm gonna (laughs) well first of all the the also find a way to end on a hopeful note okay i'll try (laughs) um because i feel like we've been airing like the dirty laundry of our denomination and seminary and stuff like that yeah yeah (laughs) and i don't know i hope that whoever listens to this doesn't feel like the fingers pointed at them or anything like that or you know what i mean because we're dummies in a lot of ways and and yes and um you know, we acknowledge the difficulty of this whole thing, right? And we all just want to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a matter of like, what's the best right way? You know what I mean? And um, if you're listening to this, I imagine that a lot of women right now are like, a lot of them probably feeling a kind of a relief or a release or mm-hmm. a, you know, a, I don't like know. You're, honestly, it's often for women like waking up. Sure. Something like that. Yeah. And then as if you're a man listening to this, you might feel a little tacked. Yeah. You know, like you got to pay attention to that. And if you got any feel tact when like all the women are feeling like, no, this is something I really have been longing to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you need to ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. But so here's here's a couple pieces of advice. First of all, for the the guys listening here who want to be friends and advocates of women in ministry. Number one, resist the urge to downplay or shrug off the strug- the struggles that women face in day-to-day leadership. Okay. Um, don't be like, no, you misunderstand, right? <laughs> like, no, just listen to what they're don't saying. Don't mansplain what's really happening and right. she's mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, her perspective is something you can't understand. And so it's important for you to, uh, you know, try to, understand it and, mm-hmm. and consider it valid. So, um, you know, these sorts of things that we see that we just went through, they can cause real, real pain. These examples that Megan just gave, they can cause real pain in the lives of women. So, um, we need to show them that we see that and that we honor that it's there. Okay. And consider their perspective on it to be every bit as valid as ours. Uh, number two, build awareness to discern whether or not working with women triggers your own insecurities and, Notice any habits you might have to redirect those reactions against your female coworkers. Okay. And that, this is important. That was a lot. There's a mouthful. Um, but it's true, men. I think we can acknowledge that uh, there's a, whether we want to say it or not, maybe it's even subconscious, um, that many of us have like a predisposition against seeing women in power. Right. And that says more about our own insecurities than it does about whether or not women should be leading. So just a little word of advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Anything yeah. to add, Megan? Um, just to say, like, I think, um, I think it's good to just remember that Phil and I actually are in a position where it's not very scary for us to be very blunt about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we might even get celebrated for it a bit. Um, yeah, especially me. Yeah, I know. This is the whole know. thing Megan's got. Oh, I have it. I have it. It's a so, thing so I have. So listen, yeah, let me explain. Uh, I can like post something about women in ministry and I get a whole lot of high fives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, sorry. If I do that. A lot of people are like, uh, what's your deal? She's got an agenda. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's something, it's a, when I say it's something you've got, I mean, it's a point that you've made to me, you know what I mean? It and has I think a it's lot because we work together. This is why yeah. we need to work together. Mm-hmm. You know, men and women need to work together because you see these things differently. Anyway. But I will say we're in a safer place to be able to talk about these things. <laughs> um, and so I want to say, first of all, if this conversation is triggering you in any way, I am fully committed to pastoring you through it. And I assume Phil Not is pestering. too. I won't pat. That's a, one of the funny things about working with a guy is that you notice how often men are kind of shaped to be rewarded by like self-deprecation mm. and how women who really want to like take on more influence and leadership, we are honed to always like be uh, very confident Mm-hmm. And like, you know, sure of ourselves, not in a way that's negative, but like to say, like, I don't say self-deprecating things like mm-hmm. I model what it is to be confident about who I am in Christ and what I'm doing. And you get rewarded for being like, yeah, I'm just a big dummy sometimes, you know, like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> is that what I do? Like, you just did it, you know, like where you like make a little joke or whatever. Mm. And women are, ten, you know, tend to like try sure. to really just be confident with their speech and say very clear things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Women don't tend to make self-deprecating comments as leaders as often or, as men. I think your point would be that <laughs> if they do, it's probably not as effective. No. 
Right. <laughs> it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but anyway, uh, it's kind of funny. Also, I will say the biggest badge of honor I think I could ever get is how many times we've been talking about something on the phone, you know, just doing like shop talk. And at the end you say, thanks, man. <laughs> and I feel like... <laughs> Yep, slips out. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've really arrived. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, like, Phil and I have to deal with this stuff all the time. And we aren't secretly, like, uh, mad at each other all the time. We're actually right. really good friends. Mm-hmm. But we do have to deal with stuff all the time. We're both wrong a lot. It and happens. we're both, like, unaware a lot of the things that we're doing that bother or hurt the other person. And if we didn't work with each other, neither of us would be in as good of a place as we are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so final word of advice to the men, uh, find some women in your context and empower them to lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I take like one minute to read these really, really fast? I forgot about this, but this is really good. Is Moses here? He's here. I got a meeting. Phil has a meeting two minutes ago, but <laughs> I want to read these really fast. This is from, uh, Tara Beth Leach's book emboldened. And she just gives some really practical steps. There's like 11 steps here for men who really want to be actual advocates. I'm going to read them really quick. Okay. <clears throat> Number one. Go out of your way to affirm gifted women in your midst. Just said that. Yep. Number two, if you notice a woman who is gifted, come alongside her and help her find resources for equipping and encouragement. That's truth. Um, Number three, if you notice a woman in a meeting staying quiet, specifically ask for her thoughts. That is a really big deal. Don't assume she doesn't have anything to say. Assume she's been shaped by her culture to be quiet. Mm, Okay. Especially in the church. Uh, number four, mentor women. We have a really great resource for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming out on February 1st. <laughs> um, it's true. Mutual mentoring. Uh, number five, resist male-only friendships. It excludes women and creates a good old boys club mentality. Number six, if you're a preacher, tell stories of women in your sermons. Number seven, if you're a preacher, preach on the kingdom vision for men and women in ministry at least once a year. And make sure your life matches up with it. Um, Number eight, invite women pastors to the decision-making table. Number nine, refuse a male-only platform. Look to Christian Community Development Association and Missio Alliance, which always have diverse platforms. So basically what they're saying there is if you're asked to speak somewhere Mm -hmm. and it's all men, um, question that. Okay. You know, directly Mm -hmm. Um, and say, why aren't there any women on the platform? Mm -hmm. Like who else is going to be speaking? Right. You know, Um, so it's important. Good word. Number 10, if you're in a place to hire, work hard to have an equal number of male and female candidates and refuse tokenism. There you go. So those kind of like encapsulate all the stuff that we just talked about, but I think they're all really important. And also the book is really good. Yeah. Cool. Tara Beth Leach. Yes. Emboldened. Check it out. Mm-hmm. All right, Megan, thank you. I learned a lot. Phil, thank you. I hope everyone else did as well. <laughs> I just want to stress, we're not perfect people. We have no. to deal with all kinds of things, but we're not secretly messed up. We actually <laughs> like each other as much as it sounds like we do. That's true. We have a great time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>